0: Welcome to the success inspired podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host Vid Muller.
1: Hello everybody. Welcome to another great interview on the success inspired podcast. I'm your host Vid, and today with me, my guest is an award-winning author of 15 best-selling books, numerous number one international bestsellers and one of the most recognized sought-after keynote speakers in the areas of self-improve- self-improvement, business and life strategy. As an entrepreneur, he has launched 28 successful business ventures including business partnership with the late Jim Rohn for 80s where Tony Robbins worked under. Some of many titles of my guest today include books like Brink of Truth, Do This, Get Rich for Entrepreneurs, Unleashing Your Authentic Power, The Power of Letting Go, and the most recent one, Cracking the Rich Code. He has served as a successful strategist to over 300 corporations worldwide and was recently named as one of the world's top 50 speakers and top 20 success coaches. He was presented with the best of the best award. Out of the top 100 contributors of all time to the direct selling industry, so I'm very privileged to have him on the show today and to speak to you, speak about his journey to you guys listening to the show. Uh, so please
0: give a warm welcome to Jim Britt. Hey, thank you, vet I
1: appreciate it. Great to be here. Great to have you on the show, Jim. Great to have you on the show. Now I've introduced you a fair bit. What's something that not a lot of people know about you
0: something a lot of people don't know about me well my first job was picking cotton at age six from about six until 12 years old so if you've never picked cotton most people think that you know, you're wearing a cotton t-shirt it's uh, it's cotton a lot of people don't even know where that comes from i asked somebody recently and they said i think it comes from sheep I'm going, no, I think that's wool. <laughs> yeah. But I started out picking cotton. That was my first job. And the family picked cotton for about my, well, from six to 12 years old.
1: Yeah, right. So you're very young picking, picking cotton. I don't think you'd be able to get away with that sort of stuff these days, would you?
0: No, I think probably my parents would have got arrested for child labor or something if I, I had caught them today. You
1: know? So that was something that you had to do because your parents basically, like, it was, it was a family business, so I was part of the deal, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, There were, there were four, four children and my mom and dad, and we, we all, you know, during the season, we all picked cotton and Mm -hmm. all the money went to the family for buying school clothes and, and, and food and other things that we needed necessities. Awesome.
1: And I assume that was obviously a laborer's job, physical job. So that's not something that you've loved to do. I guess it was just something you had to do. So how did, how did you go from there to do something that you love to do?
0: Well, I think I learned from that from that job. I, I, I was always trying to do better than I did the day before. But I also realized by the time I was about twelve years old, I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life because it was very, very hard work and And we got paid uh, two cents a pound and and cotton doesn't weigh very much. So two cents a pound is not uh, takes a lot long time to make a dollar. <laughs> so, I can imagine yeah. I remember my first day that I made a dollar, but I, I realized that hard work wasn't really going to get you anywhere. And I remember having an uncle that he said, "If you want to get ahead in life, make sure you're doing something behind a desk." <laughs> so he said, "You got to be a manager. You got to you got to you know manage other people." I always thought about that, but I never really had the the talent that I thought I needed to be able to do something like that. So my next job at about uh, 17 years old was uh, pumping gas yeah, and yeah. I worked there for about uh, two years. And you know, I, I think I liked my job, but I also it was really hard work and it was cold weather, hot weather, rainy, snowy, all of those things. So uh, that part I didn't like and also didn't make much money. Mm-hmm. So again, I kind of realized that hard work wasn't gonna get you anywhere. And my dream job was actually working in the factory on the assembly line down the road. I thought, man, if I could just get that job. But I dropped out of high schools and they required a diploma and I didn't have one. And by chance, a fella came in one, one day to, to buy gas and long story short, we had a conversation. He said, why don't you come to work in the factory? And I said, well, I don't have a, I don't have a diploma. And he said, he said, well, I got some pull there. He said, I'm a supervisor. He said, I'll get you in if you can pass this kind of a dexterity test. He said, "We can get you on." A week later, had my job at the factory, my dream nice. job. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked there for about three years. And within within less than a year, out of nine thousand people in this factory, I they rated everybody on an efficiency rating. So they'd give you a a certain job to do in a certain amount of time to do it. And we wired telephone switchboards. Yeah, right. Uh, so it was these fine little wires going into these circuits. And I was number one out of 9,000 people in less than a year, but I didn't get paid any extra for it. All I got was recognition for being number one. So I was, I was, my best month was 457% efficiency. So I was doing the work of 4.57 people, but got paid no more for it. So I thought, this is not right. You know, (laughs) And, and by chance, somebody, somebody introduced me from the factory, a fellow that I didn't even know really. I mean, I, I talked to him a couple of times, asked me to a meeting to take a look at a business opportunity in the direct selling industry. He didn't say it was direct sales. Just come take a look. And he said, I think it's something we can do to make some extra money. And I went to this meeting about halfway through it. I'm going, eh, I don't know what this is about. I didn't really understand it. And then a second speaker gets up and talks about the money you could make. And I guess, man, the lights went on in my head and I'm going, I can do this. I can do this. And not only can I do it, I'm going to do it. And, and I'm telling myself, I'm going to get rich doing this. I was so pumped. And what I didn't know is it cost me $4,000 to get started. Well, that was more than a year's wages at the time. Wow. And I didn't have $4,000. I had $9. And I didn't know anybody that had any more money than I did. So I went to 23 banks and loan companies before I finally found one that would loan me $4,000. And I got started in that business. So that was my first kind of a dream of having my own business, I think. But I didn't know what to do. I had no clue. And the only training I had was uh, this fellow said uh, that was doing a meeting. He said, okay, your job is talking to people. And I said, and he said, if you talk a little, you'll earn a little. If you talk a lot, you'll earn a lot. I said, well, how much is a little? And he said, one a day. I said, well, how much is a lot? And he said, 10 a day. I said, I'll do the 10 because I wanted to get rich. And so I set my target to talk to 10 people a day. Although I didn't know what to, what to say or what to do, that was the only training I had. So for the next year, I talked with 10 people every single day. I didn't miss one day of talking to 10 people, strangers. Now we didn't have internet and all that stuff. So I had to go out and find 10 people every day to talk to. And by the end of the year, the only thing I got good at was, I don't know, I sold my home, actually I lost my home. It had been in foreclosure, lost both of my vehicles, lost all of my furniture. Here I sat with a notice on the door from the sheriff saying you gotta be out in five days and I had a wife, a child, and 15 cents in my pocket. And that's, that was my first year in business. So people tell me they have a tough, they tell me that, how do you handle rejection and all that kind of stuff. I said, hey, I did that many years ago. I don't need to go through that again. But, you know, it's kind of interesting how things happen. I wouldn't quit, I would not stop. And I think as a result of that, Somebody showed up at my door during that five days and spent two hours with me. I call him, um, today I'd probably call him a coach or a mentor. Back then I thought he was a savior because he actually saved my life. And he taught me what I was doing wrong and what I needed to be doing. And the very next month, I made $2,600. In a five day period, I had a, a car to drive, $300 a week coming in, a three bedroom furnished apartment, and an opportunity, another opportunity that presented itself. So in my direct sales business, within six months of that time, I was earning over 40000 a month. And by the end of the year, that second year, I've made my first million dollars. So that's how I started. And I, it just taught me so much that if if you believe in something and you, you have the tenacity to keep going, now... You know, looking back on it, I should have I should have gone and asked somebody. Hey, what am I doing wrong? But I didn't. But I learned a lot that year. It was one of the worst years of my life. But looking back on it, it's one of the best years of my life.
1: I guess also because of your upbringing, you know, having to, you know, the manual labor of picking cotton. That kind of I guess taught you that you know, in order to 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 be successful, you have to work hard, right? So yeah. so then when you were told well little as one ten, 10 is a lot you jumped on 10 naturally right because you're like yeah, well more more cotton more money more 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 people more opportunities right. right so yeah. but you did but nothing worked out so you talked to talked to a lot of what is it like 3650 3, people right minimum yeah <laughs> right so that's a lot of people to talk to for not any success so what what did you do wrong what did you what did you ask
0: him? What he you talking well, about. The, the, that's what this fellow taught me. A couple of things. He said, "Ask me what I'd been doing. And I told him and and I said, I've been talking to 10 people every day. And he said, well, obviously you're doing something wrong. He said, so let me ask you a question. He said, how do you know if you have a viable prospect? Hmm. I said, I, I don't know. I guess if they buy from you. And he said, no. He says, how do you, how do you know if there are even a possibility of buying from you? I, said, I, I don't know. And I said, I, I guess you, you got to talk to him. And he said, well, that's what you've been doing. You've been out there flapping your jaws for the last year and you haven't done anything. He said, so let me give you a hint. He says, in order to find a viable prospect, he said, you have to arrive at three destinations. Number one, do they have a pain or a problem? He said, if they do, that's the first step. That's the first destination. Number two, do they want to solve it? He said, if they don't, you don't have a prospect. If they don't have a pain or a problem, you don't have a prospect. They don't want to solve it, you don't. And number three, can you solve it? He said, if all three of those are in alignment, you've got a viable prospect. And I said, well, how do I know if they have a pain or a problem? He said, stop talking and start listening. He said, ask questions. And I said, well, what kind of questions? He said it doesn't matter. I'm going. I'm confused, man. I said, why? <laughs> why does it not matter? And he goes, no. He said, you got to get into a conversation. He said, what would you talk to somebody if you went to a party and met somebody? What would you talk to him about? You wanted to get to know them. What would you? What would you do? I don't know. I don't know. What, what kind of work do you do, or you know, things like that? Are you married? Are you single? Do you have kids? And he said, that's it. You just start asking questions. And he said, if you ask enough questions, they will they will unload all of their pain on you. They'll tell you everything wrong with them if they trust you. And they're going to trust you the more you ask questions and listen intently to to what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you always apply this one thing, which I've done my whole life now since then, he said, every time you meet somebody, he said, it doesn't matter where they are. And I'm not talking about selling them something. He said, I'm talking about if you're on an airplane, if you're in a a coffee shop, if you meet somebody at a party, whatever it is, he says, always be thinking, what can I do to help this person? And he said, if you're always thinking that, he said, you're never going to lack for friends, money, a network to work with. He said, you'll never lack for anything in your life. And it made sense to me. I wasn't sure how I could help people, but... From that point forward i started asking questions and getting to know people and it's been one of the most rewarding experiences to to be able to help people without expecting to get paid for it and even when you're helping people to get paid for it it, it's very gratifying as well
1: i love it i love it so to sum it up and this is applicable to any any conversation whether it's sale or not sale whether direct selling and industry or non-direct selling industry So first, do you have a problem or not? Second, do you want to do something about it? Number three, can Can I, can I solve it for you? Okay. But then I guess, but I guess, so these are the three questions and if they all align that, that's, that's a, that's a, that's pretty much guarantee a win, but then it's important to also be, they have to, you have to be charismatic in a certain, like they have to have an interest in you too, right?
0: Yeah. See, if you have an interest in other people, they're going to have an interest in you. Mm-hmm. And if you're asking them questions, you know, uh, what do you do for, for work? People love talking. They love sharing what, what's, what's inside them. It's just that most people don't want to listen. So you ask them, you know, are, are you married? Are you single? You know, do you have children? How old are they? Do they What school do they go to? You know, things like that. What do you do for fun, relaxation? It, 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 one question leads to the next. Because as they're talking, you'll be thinking about the next question you're going to ask them. But you're also listening intently to that person. And I kind of put it like a, in sales, I create in my mind a teeter-totter you know, or scale either way. And if this side touches, you both lose. If this side touches, you both win. So this side is, is all of the reasons why, all the benefits, all of uh, solving the pain that they have. This side over here is all of the objections or, you know, anything they might bring up that, that, you know, but you're, you're looking to add weight to this side. And the only way to do that is to ask questions and listen, you know, whether you're in front of a corporate client or, or you're just trying to get to know somebody, you know, to find out what their pain is. So it's been very, very beneficial for me over the years. I, I My wife is always saying it. Don't you ever get in a conversation with somebody and not try to help them? <laughs> no, I don't.
1: Now, what about objections? Let's say you've got those three things aligned. Now you're pitching them the solution. And then they come around back at you with, a, with a objections. What are some of the weirdest objections that you got?
0: Well, for the mo- most people, it's time, money, or disbelief. Mm. And if they believe it, they can find the time and the money so it's always about disbelief, and that's why I say you know if you if you kind of get on their island if you if if you become friends with them if, and, and, and that can happen very quickly, they can trust you and 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 you should be trusting as well. You should be you know offering that up. but if you just ask questions and listen, you'll find plenty of of validation to support what what you're offering to them.
1: Mm, right. And like you said, so you got that scale. So then if they've told you their reasons, they're in it. If they then come back at you with an objection, then you can always come back to that. It's like, hang on a minute. But, you know, you said to yeah. me that X, Y, Z. So you could. yeah, how come is that a problem? How is that a problem? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but, you know, to me, sales is just creating value for people. Mm-hmm. and. And some people aren't going to, whatever you're selling, if you are in sales, well, I think everybody's in sales in some way. They're either selling their ideas or, you know, parents sell children, children sell their parents, uh, uh, teachers sell the students. I mean, everybody's selling something, you know, trying to get it across. But um, I think if you have the right intention, I think that's, that's really the key and getting to know people and, and really understanding their needs and values and then offering something to, uh, to satisfy that.
1: So your initial desire at the beginning, you said you were working at a petrol station, gas station, pumping gas. You know, then you wanted to work in a you manif- know, in, in a factory because that was like dream job. You wanted to be successful. In in initially, you mentioned you wanted to make more money, get more, get more rich. Right. So now, fast forward year later of doing all those calls that weren't successful, you sold how you, you you lost the house, lost everything. Saver came in, told you how to do it right. You started to see success. I assume that continued on. But you've also published books, you're doing public speaking. So I mean, that's that all that sort of stuff is something that you didn't have to do if you were already successful. So what inspired you to do this?
0: Well, you know, I think as human beings, we're created to achieve. And and if you're you're sitting back, and it's been proven, you know, you you sit back and you and you retire. And if you totally retire doing nothing, then usually people don't live that much longer. Mm. And, and I think um, we're built to achieve and create. That's just the nature of the human being. So I could never retire. I could never not do anything. I just do what I do. Maybe I'll do less of it some, someday, but maybe not. I mean, I've written two books since March. So, and, and a lot of other things that I've done since then <laughs> too. So, but, you know, achievement is, a, is an interesting thing because a lot of people struggle with it. They struggle with, with money. For one thing, uh, most uh, probably 95 percent of the population struggles with money, and yet they spend probably 75, 80 percent of their waking hours trying to make money. And if you ask them what their greatest, what what's the most valuable thing in your life, most everybody will say family and health. But yet they spend all their time chasing money. They don't have time to take care of their health. They don't have time to spend with the family. So money must be the most important thing. If you can get that out of the way so that money money never becomes, it's, it's never a decision about how you live your life. You've got enough of it so that you can live your life the way you want to live it. That's the way it should be. And, and I think uh, helping people to uh, overcome that and, and learn to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish in less time. And we're all programmed to do what we are, what we do. We, we're we programmed to be where we are and to do what we do. Um, if we don't like it, then we need to change the programming. But that's not always easy, you know, because a programming is based on core beliefs and core beliefs are what we act upon. When we act upon a core belief, we we support, even if it's a false belief, we support that belief, you know. And when we believe something, we'll, we'll almost fight to the death to prove to ourselves and the outside world that what we believe is true. Even to our detriment, we'll fight to prove it's true. If we think it's hard to make money, we'll show it in every way we possibly can. If, if we think it's hard to keep relationships together, you'll end up with 10 of them. You know, I mean, it's, it, that's just human nature and, and it's because of how we're programmed. So, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna change, if you want something more in your life in any area, Uh, It requires, I I think, six basic things, not complicated. I I don't do complicated stuff. Uh, I'm 10th grade educated, so I only speak on a 10th grade level. I write on a 10th grade level and and I communicate that way. So it's not hard to understand. But first thing is you got to have a desire to to change, whatever it is you want to change. Now, if you ask, just we'll talk about money. If you ask the average person out there on the street, I don't care if they're wealthy or not. You ask anybody on the street if you want to make more money. How many people would say yes? Almost everybody. I mean, even the homeless person out pushing your grocery cart would say, yes, I want to make more money. The rich person on Wall Street would say, yes, I want to make more money. It's just the nature of of that. But how many actually do? Well, about 5% of the population. So there's 95% that just keeps doing what they're doing. So that desire has to be taken to the next step. And the next step is if you want to be wealthy, whatever that means to you, to me, wealth means being being able to get up in the morning and decide what you want to do with your day instead of what you have to do. Hmm. That's true wealth. Now, if that requires 10 million in the bank or 1 million in the bank or five or 10,000 a month residual income or whatever it is, you have to decide that. But that next step is making a decision to do that. Just like I did that night in that meeting. I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get wealthy doing it. And I would not quit. I saw other people doing it. I didn't know, I didn't know why I couldn't make it, but eventually I did. I stuck with it until it happened. So that decision has to be so firm that nothing less than that will do for you. You know, it it we live in a black and white world we don't live in a gray world so every action you take in your business once you've decided that is going to move you toward becoming wealthy or move you away from it mm-hmm. you know a, a woman the other day she said i spend she said i don't i don't know where all of my time goes but she said i think i spend about 8 hours a day scrolling through facebook and i'm going okay well Oh, and she was asking why she couldn't accomplish the things she wanted to accomplish. I said, because what you're doing is moving in the direction you don't want to go. <laughs> and it's based on core beliefs, because she didn't think she was a value of that much value to the world to be able to have what she says she wants. But, you know, you've got to make that decision that doesn't allow for anything less because, mm-hmm. you know, success and failure are two different decisions. It's not that's not You know, there's no gray in between. It's one or the other. So not that you don't have failings along the way. I've had plenty of failings. I mean, I had 3,650 of them my first year. Mm. Um, I failed. But did I? No. I learned from every one of those. I learned a lot about me and about people and tenacity and all of those things. But man, you got it. That decision is the foundation that drives everything. People say, well, I'm, I set goals and I, I don't I've been asked, do you set goals? I'm going, not really. Do you write them down? No, definitely not. I know what I want to accomplish. So why would I need to write them down? I'm not going to forget it. If I'm going to write a book, I don't need to write it down. I need to write the book, but I don't need to write down and I'm going to write a book. Just do it. Because the decision is the foundation. The goals are the incremental steps to getting to that decision. So if without the foundation, all the goals and vision boards and all that stuff are just mental gymnastics to keep you away from uh, doing the things that that you really need to be doing to move to where you want to go. So that's that's so critical because it creates a mindset. And a mindset determines how you show up to the world, and it also determines how the world shows up to support you. That's the reason for the decision. So that's step two. That makes sense? Mm-hmm
1: make the decision now before that you also mentioned that we are programmed in a certain way and some people are programmed to always fail and it's like almost like it's an addiction to them everybody wants to do better for themselves and for others but not everybody makes uh, the decision but before that not everybody also has the desire so how come that how come that only four percent achieve it how come that the others don't like how if you're programmed to always like have that self-doubt, always like be unsuccessful, how do you overcome that? How do you reprogram
0: yourself? Okay. It's a good, <laughs> it's a very good question. I had a fellow just, just recently, He said, um, he said, I haven't been able to pay my bills on time or fully each month for 25 years. I went, wow, that's a long time. I said, have you tried to change that before? And he said, many times. He said, I'm always trying to change it, but I keep falling back doing the same thing. And he said, I'm thinking maybe I just need to cut my overhead. And I said, well, there's nothing wrong with that. But I said, in about two months, I said, you'll be back not being able to pay your bills on time. He said, well, how do you know that? And I said, because you're programmed to it. You're addicted to it. You're addicted to not being able to pay your bills on time. It becomes almost an addiction like like heroin or something, like a drug addiction. It's, we become so addicted to it. And the reason is, think about this, every experience you have, you attach a feeling to it. Some is very little feeling, some is a lot. Negative ones you seem to hang on to even more. But even if you go back in your life and you you took a trip someplace, you know, I went to the Caribbean recently, Well, I remember a few things I did in the Caribbean that stood out. I don't remember every moment of the whole trip. And when you have a negative experience, you remember that because you don't want it to happen again. So your subconscious is designed to protect you to keep it from happening again. So it's always gonna throw it up in your face, but we don't know it's being thrown up there. So you have this feeling, let's say a child as an example, let's say, and I've heard this before many times in, in classes, let's say a child or a parent tells a child, you're never going to amount to anything. You'll never measure up to your siblings. You're never going to accomplish anything in your life. You're so stupid. And if they keep doing that, well, the child looks up to the parent as their authority and their leader, and they should know more than the child does. So the child blames themselves and say, You know what? I'm probably never going to amount to anything. So they start not only feeling that way, but they shove the feeling down, but they're still thinking in those terms, especially if they hear it over and over and over. So they think in those terms, well, the more you think that, the more you believe it. And the more you believe it, the more it becomes a core belief. And then the more it becomes a core belief, we always act upon what we believe to be true and so we'll go out we'll, that person will go out not in not intentionally but unconsciously looking for ways to prove to themselves and the outside world that they'll never amount to anything right and as soon as they affirm that based upon their experience they've just fed the original experience again so it's a cycle that you get in which feeling, thinking, believing, core belief, behaviors, results, and it just keeps feeding it. And every time, every time you try and fail to, to change that, it strengthens the core belief. You've proven to yourself that it's true. So the way to break it is, as I said, desire, number one. Number two is decision. Number three is you got to take action on what you decide to do. You know, if you're going to set a new year's resolution to lose 50 pounds, then you need to make a decision. That's going to happen. Nothing less than that will do. And, you know, sitting in front of the TV potato chips on January 15th is not going to do it for you. And you know, it's not, but I helped this guy discover what his issue was with not paying his bills on time. And, <laughs> and, once he, once he discovered that, now his actions become conscious. That action you take becomes conscious. And now it's a decision to act that way. It's like, you probably know somebody that's habitually late for appointments. I, mean, okay. I know a couple of people, 15 minutes late. You just, in fact, one guy, I used, I used to set my appointment 30 minutes before and I'd show up 30 minutes late and still beat him there. And he always had an excuse. Cat ran away, the, you know, had run into traffic. This happened, that happened, whatever, you know, it was always an excuse, but he was always late. And so once you understand you that you have that habit, now doing it is a conscious act. So he didn't consciously know that he was going to be late every time, but but he was, you know. <laughs> and the way I way I the way I fixed him is we had a meeting set for 8:30 one morning for breakfast. Well, I didn't go. And about 30 45 minutes later he calls me and he said, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm at the office." I said, he said, "Well, I'm here at breakfast." I said, "Well, I was there." And I said, "You didn't show up." Oh man, he said I was I had this happened and I got in traffic or what. I said, "I understand, man." I said, "We'll just put it off till next next Wednesday." Okay, same time? Yep. I didn't go. And so about 30 minutes or so, he calls. Where where are you, man? He said, I said, I'm at the office. He said, well, aren't we having breakfast? And I said, hey, I was there at 830 and you weren't there. Man, I'm sorry. I was like 15 minutes late. I said, man, I I can't wait around. Third time, same thing. Fourth time, he calls me. He said, where are you? I said, I'm at the office. He said, it's 830 right now. (laughs) <laughs> he said, he said, you're not, you're not here. And I said, you know, Dan, I said, I haven't been there for the last three times. He said, really? And I said, yeah, man. I said, my time's more valuable than that. I can't, I can't put up with your excuses of being late every time you come. I said, if, if, if you can't be on time, we're not going to, we're not going to meet each week. Wow, man. So He learned from that, but it was, what I didn't realize was like 10 years later, I walk into a lobby of a hotel in San Diego. And here he sat with a group of his salespeople in, in a a business he had. And as soon as I walked in the door, he goes, Jim Brett. He said, he said, if you want a guy to teach you some time management lessons, this is the guy to do it right here. (laughs) He got the message. So he said, from that point forward, Manny, I'm always on time. So, but you got to take action. That that is so critical that you you can't put it off. You can't get ready to get going. You got to just get going. Whatever you can do today. Yeah, maybe you need to have this or that to fully get things underway, but there's something that you could do today to get things underway. Don't put it off till January 1st. Don't put it off till Monday. Do it right now. You see people like December first. What are you going to accomplish next year? I'm going. What are you going to accomplish in December? You <laughs> know the year's not over. So, and the next thing is you got to be bold. You know, in, in today's world, you gotta you gotta put yourself in the spotlight because that spotlight's not going to chase you down. Uh, you got to put yourself out there, and you got to do things that most people are not willing to do if you want to be successful at something got to stretch yourself and and you you just got to put yourself out there and and i did a lot of bold things back then man if i if i didn't find somebody to talk to i'd pick up the phone and dial a wrong number i mean i had i had (laughs) i mean i had to talk to 10 people every day (laughs) and my record for a wrong number i talked to a wrong number seven minutes one time (laughs) so (laughs) You know, now I never, I never did any business doing that, but, but it was, it was a discipline and, and I learned from it, you know, I learned how to get on the phone and talk to somebody for seven minutes that I didn't know, you know, so, so anyway, you got to be bold. And then probably the last two most important things Mm -hmm. is when you're putting yourself out there and you're making changes from where you are to where you want to go, realize that every life level and every income level requires a different you. The you that you are now can't have those things. You gotta change. See, working in the factory, I would never have become wealthy, ever. I could have worked there the rest of my life and got overtime every week and I'd have never become wealthy. I had to become somebody different. And that year of talking to 3,650 people that told me no, made me different and taught me things that I would never have experienced before. So was it painful? Absolutely. Every day when I got up, (laughs) we didn't have computers and all that stuff. So to track my numbers of people, my wife helped me out. She gave me 10 beans every morning. I put 10 beans in my pocket. And every time I talked to a person, I would flip a bean away. And when my pocket was empty, I could go home. And if, it's, if I still had a bean in there, I had to stay out until I talked to somebody. And but, but you, you've got to be willing to endure the pain of changing. Mm-hmm. See, I went from a factory worker. You know, I knew about six or seven people in an area that I worked in. And, and I never brought myself out outside that except for maybe a few neighbors. that We had a barbecue or something. I didn't know anybody. So to go talk to strangers, that's painful. But you know what? If that's what you've got to do, you got to go do it. You know, if it's painful to go raise money, you got to go do it. If it's painful to whatever it is, you know, if you my greatest fear was speaking in public. Greatest fear. And I've been before almost two million people now in my my seminars worldwide. And it wasn't until I was probably in, t- in front of, I don't know. Two, three 300,000 people before I lost that fear. I had it every time I got on stage. I don't now, but I did. Greatest fear I've ever had. Uh, and every time I would get up and speak, I would I would say, how did I do it? How could I have done it better? And you grow from it. You learn from it. And every audience is different and a, a different type of audience, a different age group, a different male, female, whatever it might be. It was just it was crazy some of the things I went through in the early, early years and painful. So you got to be willing to step out of that comfort zone and do things that you, you haven't done before, which will bring up the next thing. And I was asked, what, what's one thing that, that you've learned over the years that's been the most valuable to you over and above everything else? I was asked that on a panel once, and I said the ability to let go. I said, well, let go of what? And I said, let go of what didn't work. Let go of trying to control things that's not, not within your control. See, that's where all stress comes from. We create our own stress in life. Well, if you're stressed out, you don't have time to accomplish anything. Hmm. If you're all buried up in fear, you don't have time to do anything else. You're full of fear. You know, if you're full of doubt, well, doubt's going to take over and you're going to get more of that. So it's like, what, what, do, you, what do you have inside so learning to let go of things that didn't work, learning to let go of that last no, learning to let go of something that happened to you 20 years ago, you know, learning to let go of abuse or abandonment or whatever it is, it's not happening to you now. So it's, it's disconnecting from that and living a life fully day to day. That's the key. Yeah, plan for the future, learn from the past, they don't live there, man. I mean, it's, there's not there's nothing there. So you've got to, that letting go to me is one of the most important things. Because if you look at people try to control the uncontrollable.
1: Absolutely. But, now, easy said than done for some, right? Letting go. Somebody has such a horrendous experience in life that they're just holding on, living in the past. What do you say to those people? How, how do you let go if it's not so
0: easy? Well, first thing I would, let me ask you, this, uh, this mouse here, mm-hmm. my computer mouse, I've got this in my hand. Now, just because I have it in my hand, does it mean I need to carry it around in my hand for the rest of my life? No, I can put it down. Letting go is the same thing. You can lay it down. Now, agreed, it's not as easy some things are but most things are not so with a person like that i would i would ask them a series of questions first question was be well first i'd have them get in touch with whatever it is that they're feeling you know if it's a woman one day in in a workshop she said "I, i can i can never i can never be as successful financially and i said why she said because of my father and she's like 50 years old or so. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what about your father? She said, well, he always told me I'd never measure up. I'd never never amount to anything, never be successful. And that I wasn't very smart. And I, and I said, oh, well, so that's the reason you can't be successful. She said, yes. And I said, well, where's your father now? She said, well, he died 10 years ago. I said, so he abused you verbally back then, yes. And that's the reason you can't be successful. Yes. I said, where's your father? Uh, her father's been dead for 10 years. So I said, um, well, get in touch with that feeling that you had when he was verbally abusing you. She said, okay, pretty easy to get in touch with. I said, do you like feeling that way? She said, no. I said, do you, do you feel that hanging on to that is going to contribute to your success in life? No. Can you see anything that's, pain, that's not painful or stressful to hang on to it? Any reason at all? No. I said, do you want to let it go? She said, yes. I said, are you willing to? She said, I don't know. I said, so your father abused you verbally. So let me ask you another question. I said, who's abusing you now? She said, I don't understand that question. I said, well, your your father abused you, but who's abusing you now? She said, I still don't understand the question. I said, well, I want you to think about it for a few minutes. And I I went over and worked with somebody else and about 10 minutes I came back and I said, did you come up with the answer? She said, no. And she said, I still don't really understand the question. Who's abusing me now? And I'm going, okay, well, think about it some more. And on the third time back, she said, you mean I'm abusing me? And I said, well, what do you think? She said, I don't know. I said, well, think about it some more. (laughs) But I came back the next time and I said, did you come up with the answer? And she goes, oh, my God. She said, I'm carrying on the abuse that he did to me. I'm carrying on his legacy of abusing me Hmm. by abusing myself. She said, Oh my God, I can't, I can't believe it. She said, Yes, I'm willing to let it go. And I said, Well, the last question is when? Hmm. When? And you see, that's the key, is it's partially an understanding in your mind that you're programmed that way. And if you make choices that are so determined that you're going to do a certain thing, your subconscious picks it up as real and it acts upon it. But if you have doubts, if you if she doubted that she'd never amount to anything, well, subconscious is going to keep pushing stuff to her that shows her she'll never amount to anything, all the experiences she's had.
1: Well, it certainly took her a while to get it. It did. Maybe that's because it was such, you know, what? like maybe there's something that's limiting you and it's something that's been with you for so long. Maybe that's why it takes longer to get it.
0: Well, it, it does, but but not really. You know, it, it, it can happen pretty quickly if you're open to it. Because a lot of things interconnect that we don't realize it's interconnecting. Let's say somebody is abandoned. Well, they might get in business and fail in business because they were abandoned as a child. Because they still feel abandoned. They feel alone. Even if they're surrounded by a team, they still feel alone in some way. So, you know, all all negative feelings and emotions stem from two needs that we have as human beings. And the two needs are the need for approval and the need to be in control. And you see like in in an abusive situation, you know, a male, female, and the woman gets beat up. Most of the time, it's a woman that gets that part of it, but sometimes not. Usually one of them are very controlling. The other one is very submissive, looking for approval. Well, they're a perfect match. Because the abuser needs somebody to beat up that's okay with that, because they they so much need approval and need recognition, they're willing to get beat up to get it. And and so they become a perfect match. But until, another example, a woman in, in a workshop, she, she came uh, to a two-day event. And when she arrived, I noticed that she had bruises on her wrist, on her throat, a black eye, and a busted lip. And I thought, this woman's been abused. Well, she shared that in the afternoon, that first day. And she said, when I left this morning, my boyfriend said, if you try to leave me, I will kill you. And she said, he meant it. So I worked with her on basically her need for approval. And, and I spent about an hour and, and helped her completely clear that need for approval. Where it came from how she was carrying it around helped her completely clear it where she didn't have it at all. And then she went home that night. She asked before she left, what, what do I do when I go home? I said, nothing, just go home. I said, just feel the way you're feeling, go home. See how it comes out. She came back the next day. She said, I walked, she came up front. She said, I walked into the house. She said, I felt different. Everything felt different. And she said, I figured my boyfriend would be in the, in his recliner drinking beer, but he wasn't. Figured he's in the kitchen probably getting the beer, but he wasn't. She said, I walked into the bedroom thinking he's probably passed out on the bed. He's not there. She said, suddenly the whole house felt different. I felt different. She said, I ran to the closet, opened the doors, all of his stuff was gone. And he left a note saying, I will never be back. Now you could say, well, what a coincidence. But if you really believe that we're energet- energetically connected, he got the signal that he could no longer abuse her. She's done with it. She let go of her need for approval. Now he's got to go find somebody else. Now she's in, uh, I've tracked her for about three years after that stayed in touch and she's married, got a loving relationship, no abuse. See it's just getting to what it is, you know, you got a problem ask yourself is it a need for acceptance or a need to be in control and then when you really look at the need to control it's really a need for acceptance in disguise so so everybody the greatest need that all every human being has is the need to feel wanted loved connected a place you know a place on a team or whatever it might be they they want to be connected
1: maybe that's why like need for control is because you want to fuel your ego and because and and you want to feel your ego because you don't feel accepted
0: yeah yeah that's exactly it it's exactly it mm-hmm. you know you want to you want to win or get be right so that people accept you you know you're you're ready to be angry and argue but you want to be right so that you can feel accepted but you know it's, it's an interesting dynamic when you're working with people's emotions and feelings but that's what keeps us stuck where we are is past programming and, and unless you unless you figure out how to break it, Uh, it's just like the guy with 25 years of not being being able to pay his bills on time. And I said, you know, you can lower your overhead, but in a couple of months, you won't, you still won't be able to pay them on time. Mm. And I said, you will live out the rest of your life, not being able to pay your bills fully or on time each month, if you don't figure it out, or somebody walks you through how to let go of whatever it is you need to let go of. I said, that's that's key otherwise nothing will ever change
1: and that's when that desire kicks in and then the yeah. de- decision is then easy to do so we've we've dropped so many so many valuable advice just now Jim that we've covered in the last 40 minutes that's that's amazing and I'll be sure to put it into bullet points in the show notes for you guys listening i hope you are taking notes already or making you know memory notes because this is this is powerful stuff and applies to, to anything. And I could assume that, you know, for some, I mean, really the essence is, or, or the real key is that you, you you get it for yourself. Like you, you finally get it, the understanding for yourself, but maybe for some may not be as easy. Maybe you have to go through multiple of different tools to get it. Maybe you need, you know, have a, a session with psychiatrists, maybe a hypnosis or whatever it is that you need to do, but just go and get it, get an understanding. Right.
0: You know, here here's the key. It's it's simple, Mm. and 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 it's got to be simple for people to change. To people to, if if you've got to go, lie on the floor and do an exercise to let go, then it's not going to work. Yeah, right. Because you need to be able to let go when you're in traffic, driving down the freeway. You need to be able to let go when you're in a meeting. Um, You need
1: to be conscious. Yeah,
0: yeah. So your subconscious mind. Google, let's take Google, for example. If you Google, I tried this the other day, you Google making money or happiness, those two will bring up over 3 billion files for each one of them in a half a second, 3 billion files. I mean, try it, it's amazing. I I was shocked, I'm going 3.5 billion files for making money. Well, you'd never read them all, you can't. So what do you read? first page, maybe some of the second, but mostly the first page. Does that make that first page the most valuable? No. it's it's They've worked to get on the front page of Google so that you can see them first. Hmm. The 500th one might be the most valuable. You never know. So our mind works the same way. So you decide you're going to do something. Let's say you've used well, like the guy couldn't pay his bills. So he decides, okay, I'm going to start paying my bills on time. Bang. Your Google just comes up from your brain. It said, remember the last 25 years, you've been trying this for 25 years. You tried this, you tried this, you went to this workshop, you did this, you did this, you did this, and you're still not going to be able to pay your bills on time. So he's already off course before he even even takes the first action. Hmm. But here's the key. This is the key the simplicity of letting go is once you've decided what it is you want, I mentioned this before, every action is going to move you toward that or away from it. You know, every action you take is going to move you in one direction. So self-observation is the key, not self-awareness. Very little happens with self-awareness. You can be aware that you're broke. You can be aware that you're angry or upset or depressed or all of those things, but that does nothing to solve it. It just makes you aware that you got the problem. You can be aware that you got a relationship conflict. What does that do for you? Just makes you aware of it. Hmm. The key is being self-observant and that's separating yourself from the experience. So you start to experience something that's that's not taking you in the direction you want to go or doesn't feel like you want to feel. The question is, you observe yourself feeling that. And the question is, does feeling this way help me to get where I want to go? And as soon as you, <laughs> I challenge you to try this, as soon as you observe yourself feel uh, 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 feeling that experience, having that experience, it'll go away. You cannot separate yourself from anger and stay angry. You can't separate yourself from depression and stay depressed because you see yourself from a higher level. So that's a disconnect. That is letting go. That's the first step in letting go. And then then making the choices, like I said, you know, put it down. You, You can set that aside. Look at it this way. You've been going through this path, through this field for most of your life getting to that destination, and it's not the destination you want. You wanna go over here, but you're trying to go over here and then make a curve and get over to where you wanna go, but it just doesn't seem to get you there. But the path feels familiar, it's comfortable, because all it's worn down and all the weeds are kind of off to the side and it, it's not scary or anything. But this path over here that'll take you directly where you want to go, it's all grown up. It's weeds and brush and underbrush. And it could be some snakes and, you know, mountain lions or whatever in there. You know, so you're it's it's fearful because it's 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 not known. It's uncomfortable. And that's where overcoming your discomfort comes in. So it's realizing I'm going there. This is a roundabout way that will probably never take me there that hasn't. This is a way that's gonna take me there. So the more you get on this path and don't vary from it, the more this path becomes comfortable and that one grows up with weeds and it's gone forever. And if you look at your own life, we've all had those paths and we've, we've changed that path. It's just making a conscious choice to do that and to let go of the things that keep you on the wrong path little choices. And it, it, you know, I'm not saying it's easy all the time. I'm just saying it's worth it. And I'm not even saying, I wouldn't even say to believe me. Don't believe me. Just try it. See what happens. No, I love Believe it. it for yourself.
1: Now I believe you've got a, you've got an online course that can help people crack, crack that rich code, right?
0: I do. I created a, an online course called cracking the rich code and it's a four month program. And you start every day with a guided visualization. That's about 12 minutes long. You've got 12 audio series called Cracking the Rich Code that you listen to the full series every month, 12 of them every month. Then you get a daily message about five, three to five minutes. Then you get a, a weekly 15 minute lesson. And then you get a monthly, what I call a master lesson. And so you're getting input daily. It's changing your relationship with money, and over four month period, you're reprogramming your subconscious to accept that uh, that you're you're worthy of of more money. and and it, and You don't have to even have the opportunity in mind to make it. All you got to do is reprogram you yourself, and and opportunities will show up at your doorstep. Plenty of them out there. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I'll be sure to put a link for this course in the show notes. Jim, on the last part and piece of advice that you'd like to share with the
0: listeners. Yeah, just, you know, don't quit. You know, time is probably your most valuable asset. You know, you can lose your money and you can get more money. If you lose your time, you can't get any more time. Mm. And I would look at what legacy are you leaving? What are you here for? What do you want to leave behind? Because in, in the blink of an eye, almost you're here and you're gone. It's not much time here on earth. And you'll, if you're lucky, you'll be remembered by a handful of people. And uh, so I would say, look at what legacy you want to leave for, not only for those people, but for other people. The reason I write books, you know, I, it's not so much to sell books. It is to get stuff out of my head and put it on paper that might be of value to somebody later on. So I would say, uh, look at what legacy you're leaving and, and decide what it is you want to leave behind and work toward it. And a good, way to, a good way to really look at it, you know, we're taught to set your goals and what are you gonna do this year, next year, five years, 10 years, that type of thing. Turn that around and try this little exercise you're now 100 years old and you're sitting on your front porch and you're contemplating what you've accomplished in your life. And you're thinking about maybe the regrets or maybe you're just looking back saying, you know, instead of saying, I want to develop this retreat. Look at it when you're 100 years old and start telling yourself, I developed this retreat. I did this. I did this. I did this. So you're seeing it from a different angle. Instead of someplace in the future, you're looking back saying, I did it, which makes a little difference in your brain too, in your subconscious.
1: Yeah, I love that. It makes a little visual picture. I've mentioned mentioned that on uh, one of the episodes before is something that we do at the gym. I manage one of the F45 studios here where I live. And we do these challenges, you know, these 45 day fitness challenges. And before we start the challenge, we always have an info night, which is a opportunity to inform people what it's about and obviously at the end there's a sales pitch trying people um get them to sign up make them to commit and i do this little exercise where I, I do get them to firstly share what they brought what brought them there but then trying to get them to visualize the end results so like standing you know at home imagine you're standing at home you're looking in the mirror now what do you see maybe and i describe that for them so i'm like okay well now you're looking at you know you're in your underwear or you know you're in, you're in your swimwear and you know your waistline is looking a little slimmer. You know <laughs> you're feeling a little bit more energetic. You know, and so I describe the visual picture for them, and then I, then I get them to lock that in, open their eyes, and see if somebody's keen to share. But I agree, this is a great awesome. exercise project. What is that called? Forward pacing, or
0: I'm not. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what, that. What I do in, a, in a in a class in a workshop, is I pair them up, and one of them's the interviewer and the other one's being interviewed. So you're 100 years old being interviewed by this person. So this interviewer says, you know, well, you're 100 years old. Let's go back in your life, and let's, let's talk about what you've accomplished. And, and it's, it's like the whole room is full of tears uh, by the end of it because mm-hmm. they're, they're really coming out with truly what they would love to have done in their life, looking back on it. Where looking forward, it just it seems you're looking from your position where you are now. And, and it seems so unreal that you're gonna you're going to accomplish that it mm. seems like it's going to be a struggle to get that so it's just a different way of looking at it and the the interview thing is really powerful mm. then they get to share with the class what you know the interviewer shares with the class what person they just interviewed and what they've accomplished and it's pretty cool actually now
1: jim i I appreciate everything that you said you provided us so much advice and, and you barely talked about your own business and you know what is it out there I know that you know I've, I've pitched to you at the beginning I did a little intro and then I know that you you know you, you really accomplished with everything that you've done working with you know big names you know pe- people like Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank you work you work directly with Anthony Robbins I, I believe you've you've you had a business together with, with, with another fella that was. Well, I was in, uh, yeah,
0: in business with Jim Rohn, the late Jim Rohn. And I hired Tony and worked with him, trained him for his first four years in, in the business. Yeah.
1: What was he like when he was starting? Was he already like, like? because obviously he's, always very, he's very talented, obviously. Yeah.
0: Well, he, you know, when, I, when I, he first started to work for us, he was 18 years old. And he tried to come to work to, for us at 17. I wouldn't hire him. So he came in 18. I had 300 salespeople full-time and Tony came in as one of the salespeople. Second month, he was number one out of 300. <laughs> and a lot of them had a lot of experience. So I, I, I knew right then the guy could sell for one thing. And, you know, we had to groom him a little bit, dress him up and, and teach him a few things, but he, he was a quick learner. I mean, a guy would go out there and just, just do it. You know, if we said, Hey, Tony, we need, we need you to sell 50 more tickets to this seminar in the next 24 hours. He'd come back with 50 tickets sold. I mean, it just that way uh, you give him a book and say, read this book. The next day he came in, he read it that night, the whole book and came back and, 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 and understood it, you know? So the guy was a very brilliant and, and, you know, very charismatic and, and I would never have thought that he would do what he's done. You know, I mean, in a million years, I wouldn't have thought that, but, you know, I look at the progression of it and you see how it happened. I mean, he's brilliant. He's he's done so much and helped so many people in the world and, you know, it makes me feel good too, because I, I kind of feel like I had some, at least some little part in that, Mm. you know, if you can, you can help somebody else that helps people, then it, expre- it it spreads what you know the good in the world so so yeah we still stay in touch and you know I'm doing a I'm doing a book series with Kevin Harrington mm-hmm. uh, primarily it's a collaborative book series primarily it's coaches speakers entrepreneurs and we provide it's like a PR marketing branding and lead generation system for them but they get a chapter in the book called cracking the Rich code there's uh, 20 co-authors in it plus Kevin and I we're on volume number six right now. The first four volumes have hit number one international bestseller. Number five, we're just in the process of finishing up the publication of it. And we're pretty sure that'll hit number one as well. So our co-authors can now advertise that they're number one international best selling authors because they're in a book that's number one. So and-
1: that's the so the program is every time you do a new volume, there's you and Kevin Harrington plus those people that are in the program plus that they get to 24. write the chapter. Yeah.
0: And some really talented people. We got quite a community with, the, with those people. So, if there's anybody anybody uh, watching or listening here that is interested in in that? You can always email me at support at jimbritt mm-hmm. and uh, I can get you information on it. But uh, it's a it's a great uh, credibility book. Um, it, it's got a it's got a picture of Kevin Harrington on the front as a as you know star of Shark Shark Tank, and everybody knows Shark Tank, even in other countries around the world. There's, a, there's like over a hundred knockoffs of Shark Tank, mm. <laughs> but they know Shark Tank. And, and here in the U.S., most people know Kevin because they watch Shark Tank. So he's kind of got the celebrity status, plus he's taken over 500 different products to market. So brilliant guy. We've been friends for maybe 15 years. So Kevin's picture's on there. My picture's on there. And I was named as one of the top 20 success coaches, top 50 speakers. I think you mentioned that in the intro. And then Tony Robbins endorsed the series, So Tony's picture is on the cover with his endorsement. And then right in the center of the book, we do a different front cover for all 20 co-authors. So they have their picture on the cover of their book with Kevin, myself, and Tony Robbins. So, you know, what's the value of that? If you want to extend your brand and co-brand, if you want to stand out, if you want to stand out on social media, if you want to have a number one international bestseller, whatever it might be it's a great credibility thing and a great calling card so 100% that's uh, we're pretty amazing excited about it.
1: that's amazing yeah. is there a particular criteria for the co-authors to be uh- uh,
0: n- well yes and no i mean we want we want quality people but at the same time we're we're looking to help people that's ju- just up and coming that's getting started we're looking to to have people that's you know, mid-range in their career that's done well, but want to continue and get more exposure. And then we got some people in there, like uh, we got the Entrepreneur of the Year that was nominated in, in two thousand nineteen by Ernst and Young and Merle Lynch. We've got we've got the guy that heads up most of the digital marketing for Amazon. We've got a Harlem Globe Trotter, one of the basketball stars that's an entrepreneur. We've got coaches. We've got speakers. We've you know it's 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 an array of talents. And and an array of levels of success, like one, one woman that's in, she's actually in book five that's not even out yet. And she just put the cover, gave her a promotional cover. She put that up on her website and she said, the first day I got a new client, first day. And she's just like blown away with it, you know, and that's, that's what it's about. You know, does everybody get a new client the first day? No, but some do. And just, it depends on how you use the book too. And you got a book to sell, you know, Mm. make a nice profit on it.
1: And it's tremendous amount of credibility being uh, alongside of people like yourself and Tony and Mark. And yeah, so incredible. And
0: and every person writes a 3000 word chapter. So that's a pretty healthy chapter. Mm -hmm. Plus they get their picture and their bio. And then at the end of their chapter, they get all their contact info. So it becomes kind of a first stage of lead generation for them. And then we have a membership site that it's, it's sole purpose it's free and its sole purpose is generating leads for our co-authors and it's it's content driven so it's got tons of content on there and it'll have more and more members as we grow and more content as we grow and our uh, eventually we'd like to have just our co-authors posting content Uh, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. with their link with their content so it gives them another way to market themselves so it's pretty cool what what all we we put together with it so what's the name of that website the membership site Uh, there's not a website for it. There's a video. I can shoot you the video link. Yeah. And, and I am i don't want to misquote what it is. I, I, nah, I, that's I,
1: fine. That's fine. We'll look, I'll, we'll just, I'll just put it all in the show notes. We'll we'll stay in touch
0: yeah, and we'll, we'll you know. Yeah, um, I'll send you the link. It's, it's just a short video that gives you an overview of what we're doing. Yeah. And then you can book an appointment if it's something that looks like of mm-hmm. value.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Now, for those of you guys listening, for those of you guys listening, I hope that you're still here because we are talking about all like This is like a secret stuff at the end of the podcast for those that stayed, you know, like we're talking about so much great opportunities here for you guys. And look, this show is called Success Inspired. And the intent of the show, why I started this show is to inspire success in whatever whatever way uh shape form success means to you. You've been listening to myself, your host Vit and Jim Britt. I'm privileged to have this conversation with you Jim. It's I really appreciate you having time to to speak to to me and and on the show. So once again, thank you so much. So many valuable advice that you've provided to us. It's amazing and I already looking forward to, you know, the post production, editing it up and put all the cool stuff in the bullet points and the show notes. Guys, if you're listening, just make sure if you if you enjoy the show, please share it. There's always somebody that needs to hear this. There's all we all want to be more successful. So if you want, if you care about your loved ones, if you care about your family and friends, to be more successful then please share this episode with them we're on social media across instagram facebook and linkedin so you can also follow the show there and for any juicy stuff for any extra valuable advice just head over to the success head over to the uh, official website the podcast.com. i put a lot of effort into putting great show notes there is extra links bonus material transcripts and and and, and also these cool little timestamps so you can actually uh can choose which part of the conversation that we had today you want to come back to and listen and again because you know part of the learning process is that you you repeat repetition is key right so you can always come back and 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 listen to the part where Jim talks about those key steps, you know having having want to be successful, having the desire, making the decision and then being bold. So that was just one but so you can come back to any of these bits and pieces that we've covered I'm going to segment them out and you can listen to them again on that thank you everybody for listening thank you Jim once again really appreciate you, you having time to, to speak with me today and yep guys stay inspired stay on that journey towards success and have a great rest of your day and I look forward to have you listen to the podcast next time when I'm on back on with my next guest